Zach's kid unfortunately had a bit of an accident last night, so he's looking after him. So instead of Zach, we have the esteemed Chance Miller. Hello, Chance. Hi, Mayo. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I, I always like coming on because you always say esteemed. And it's, yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> for, a few, for, for, a few, for a few of your appearances, I've come up with different adjectives each time, but I've settled on my favorite. Well, speaking of other esteemed people, it was announced this week that Tim Cook, Johnny Ive, and Lorene Power Jobs will be appearing at the Code Conference hosted by Kara Swisher with an interview. Uh, and the Code Conference itself runs from September 6th through September 8th. It's unclear yet which day uh, they will appear on. However, based on a story and a tackle in a sec, I think it's pretty obvious which day it won't be. So it's probably either the 6th or the 8th. Um, this was pretty crazy news at first because obviously uh tim cook has come on the code conference stage a few times but it's not been like consistently every single year and then it, the the news broke as if like tim cook and johnny Ive are going to be interviewed at the code conference and everyone was like freaking out oh they you know this is going to be really awkward or whatever because you know johnny Ive departed and that's the ramifications of that still going on that book came out about their fractious relationship um not so long ago but the reality is it's mostly going to be focused on the life of Steve Jobs because, you know, it's the anniversary. It's Kara Swisher's last uh, code conference ever. She's going to retire. And under um, when Walt and Kara did it, you know, while Jobs is still alive, Jobs would appear pretty regularly, like almost every year for, a, for an interview. And so in homage to that, they're doing like a 10 years on Tim Cook, Johnny Ive and Lauren Power Jobs together, which will still be great and, and, and fun to listen to and stuff. But obviously it's not going to get into the nitty gritty details of like Love From and Apple's combative recent history yeah and they're all gonna be appearing on stage together so it's gonna be basically just them happy families yeah putting on a show and everything's fine no drama no drama at all they'll just talk about the the heyday of jobs being alive they won't mention like what jobs will think about the fact that his right hand man wanted to leave apple like four years after he departed or any any of those uh complicated questions it's gonna be all uh friends together probably because i mean like obviously cook and i didn't get along under the apple regime but they're probably still you know on speaking terms and friendly right like mm. they're not they weren't it, it wasn't like forceful departure kind of situation so they, they can be happy together on a stage for an hour or so and talk about steve jobs which is still be fun to watch but oh yeah if you're expecting like a nitty-gritty you know harsh interview on the state of the company or johnny ives departure and that kind of and the circumstances around that i don't think you're gonna you're gonna get it here I feel like the prob- to watch. probably the most tense thing between Cook and Ive right now is how the love from relationship with Apple ended, if there ever really was one, last month. And one of the reasons was love from kept poaching Apple designers. Mm-hmm. So, and some of the stuff and in that book was Apple not engineers, great. Is like the yeah. Apple executive team was getting annoyed that love from was getting paid so much money to basically just steal Apple employees and do very little work for Apple itself. Is seems to be the the narrative that has caught on at least it seems yeah. to be the most accurate because uh, i'm pretty sure like from what we've heard i did contribute to stuff but he wasn't like day to day but like if they'd have a you know some especially on like the stuff that was being worked on whilst i was still there in predominant form mainly like the augmented reality headset project obviously they were going back and forth to him giving you know some like high level direction but now that he's like gone for good they can break free of that and in it's probably good. Like you can't have, you know, the trillion dollar company being like 
pseudo or proxy led by someone who's you know contracting a couple of days a week and really wants to be doing other things so they probably should have just done this a lot sooner than they did but hey now it's now it's done they can they can move on so i think there was the report that ive was involved in a 24 inch imac but that's kind of all we've heard other than the unreleased stuff but and the trip mickle book about the after steve book he also talked about how current apple designers would still like be calling Johnny Ive in the background mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, what do you think of this? Even on projects he wasn't involved in and all of that stuff. So yeah, it's the relationship, it's probably good that it ended and, but they probably won't talk about it at this code conference thing. So I'm sure whatever hundred million dollar deal was signed also included non-disclosure <laughs> yeah. agreements yeah. on both, on both parties to be quiet. I'm just to see if love from actually does anything like publicly significant. Cause you know, they're working with, airbnb and companies like that at the moment um but i don't know if that's going to be like a similar production to the apple client relationship where they kind of basically didn't do anything publicly of any notes uh or if they're actually gonna like i'm waiting for a company to be like here's our product and this is from johnny ive you know but i'm not sure if that's going to happen or not whether he's just going to be like in the gods as it were having fun doing stuff that no one normal ever cares about but and for in a way he too. earned it right he run he, you know he led apple design for a long time and he made them incredibly successful so at some point you've got to give up the ghost and move on if you're getting bored what should hopefully be less boring <laughs> is the apple event was officially announced obviously mark german had the september 7th date uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, this wednesday apple or was it tuesday one of the tuesday or wednesday uh, apple officially announced the iphone 14 event for september 7th at 10 a.m pacific time as normal with the tagline far out so like we said code conferences september 6th to 8 probably cook will be on the 6th and then he'll come back to well it's, it's unclear whether he'll need to come back to canvas or not for the september 7th event because it is both described as in-person and uh, not as in-person, depending on which invite you received. It seems like it might be more in-person than WWDC, because the the invite that got sent to press that were actually invited to come onto campus said RSVP to join us in-person for a special Apple event at the Sea Jobs Theatre in Cupertino, whereas obviously the WWC shebang was a recorded video that they played on an outside stage to people you know, sitting on seats outside. At the very least, this event sounds like it will be conducted inside so inside the steve jobs theater people will accumulate and sit in the crowd whilst they mostly watch a video i assume that's what's going to happen what do you think yeah i think it's mostly going to be pre-recorded but the thing with wwdc was there was never really a press invite that mentioned in person most at least as far mm-hmm. as i've heard most of the press who were invited to come for an in, the in-person component where it was kind of all like under the table one by yeah. one <laughs> phone calls yeah private, privately that kind of thing and i mean but the, the obvious reason for this is that they just want the press to get hands-on time with everything that's coming on september 7th so and the in-person component of wwgc for the press did have that hands-on time with the macbook air and the macbook pro and that was held in steve jobs theater just on that upper level so yeah that's true that was inside yeah just the, the the watching the video was yeah an outside thing because the other the other the other function of this is that if they get everybody together then in the afternoon after they do the public hands-on they also do the briefings right for press so they can give them the um products to review on under embargo terms that they then post the week after or something because 
generally it's quite rare obviously they had to do it during some of the covid times but in most cases apple doesn't give out products without doing hands-on briefings as well to like prime the reviews so you know one way they've done it they did it uh i think in the end of 2021 is they had like stations set up in la and california and then people would come to either right to pick up products and get a little chat um and generally what's happened pre-covid was that those briefings would happen in the afternoon of an event because everyone would come on site for the event then in the afternoon they'd do the private briefings in little rooms um which is presumably what's going to happen here uh i do like the tagline the tagline is far out and the kind of image is like a star field almost and with a with the middle section forming the apple logo i think this is one of the best like materials wise looking mm-hmm. uh in, invite they've had in a long time it looks cool nothing's as bad as the one they did for the spring event this year with peak performance but peak was spelled weirdly and it was confusing and the artwork was yeah, bad. Yeah, peak was spelled and, as if like you were the P double E K as in yeah. you're looking out for it, not obviously a pun on peak as in P E A K as in the best. But uh, what do you think the far out and the space design and all of that? Do you think that hints at anything? Well, there's always this back and forth, isn't yeah. there, about whether it's meaningful or not? But I mean, there's definitely some correlation. I mean, like you said, peak performance was the event where they announced the Mac Studio, for instance. So they always tend... The way I always imagine, and I don't know if this is the case, but the way I kind of imagine this works is like the high echelons of the Apple executive team and the marketing team, like Greg Joswiak and Schiller and stuff, they have a little chat and they think of like a funny tagline or a suggestion and then they like tell the general theme of the event to the marketing underlings below. So the marketing people were making the imagery and making the slogan don't necessarily know the exact products they're coming out but they might be told like you know performance or you know that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of vague theme that's how i've always imagined it works out and then if you do look in retrospect at previous event invites generally you can find some connection but it's not it's not strict right so you can't like officially determine anything for sure out of criminology but it's still fun to do in a, in a way right and i'd say far out space theme the thing i'd leapt to was satellite and the satellite features that have been rumored first for the iPhone 13 mm-hmm. last year and have come back around again for the iPhone 14. This is the idea that the iPhone will integrate some form of alternative communication that isn't Wi-Fi or standard cellular. It would communicate to a satellite network if you're like out in the desert and you need to urgently text someone or you get in a bad accident in the middle of the sea and you don't have normal signal, you'd be able to send like a short message over the satellite network. So like a, you know, an emergency SOS level kind of feature and ios 16.2 adds that sos icon to the the status bar that shows up when you lose your cellular service altogether so mm-hmm. that seems like maybe a little hint because right now it says sos but that doesn't actually do anything it kind of just makes you panic a little bit so I, well i think the sos icon means that you you've still got enough signal to call emergency services oh really because i see it like on I- planes a lot and i don't know exactly what you can do on planes Mm. but well at least in at least in britain the there's like a mode where it goes into like you haven't got any service but you can still call 999 Hmm. okay so that's what i thought the sos signal was meant to mean in yeah i'm not sure but maybe it doesn't mean anything at all and so i guess the satellite one of the things the satellite would add on top of that would be the i or not i message but the messages stuff yeah like the fake i message kind of situation like bloomberg said it the messages would be gray instead of green or blue so that that makes sense yeah and it's not going to be like 
unleashed satellite connectivity you're not going to get like starlink like broadband internet and stuff like that it's meant for a very limited use because when you have a small little phone it uses it needs to use a lot of power to reach the satellite signals so it can only be done in like short text messages kind of situation yeah and i'm sure they'd love to bring it to the apple watch eventually too but that has even more battery concerns um i think you mentioned like astrophotography is a possible interpretation of the invite as well yeah, I don't think that's as strong as the satellite thing, just because astrophotography has been rumored for a while, and it's never really been corroborated by any of the more reliable people like Mark Gurman or Ming-Chi Kuo. But, and you can kind of already do it. Yeah. Like, if you put your phone on a tripod and you shoot it at the sky and you put on night mode and leave it, for it will take a long night mode shot for like 30 seconds and... You can see more in the sky than you would otherwise, but like the the Pixel phones have like a dedicated yeah. like astro mode where you get like the full you know look at the stars. And the, another of one of the I've seen some people suggest is that it's far out like optical zoom of some sort, but that seems more like next year when we're expected to get the periscope, periscope lens and yeah. all of that. So I don't think that means anything this year. So I think yeah, this year we're on the camera side. We're expecting the main wide camera to go up to 48 megapixel which will probably be then binned down so every four yeah. pixels get grouped together to make one so the output image is 12 megapixels still but the detail in the image is a lot higher than you get right now and that kind of technique is used by some android phones today and what's kind of interesting is that like even though many of the android phones already do that 48 megapixel to 12 megapixel kind of thing the iPhone generally compares very favorably and like mm-hmm. you ask the Verge they say it's like the best camera on the phone still right so uh, for instance, just to you know, quote one source, people debate it and some people say one thing's better and some people say one thing's better, whatever. But like, if the iPhone is already comparing favorably and it doesn't have the high resolution camera at all, I think there's a decent chance you're going to get some very impressive images on, on, the, new, on the new hardware. Yeah, at least I'd hope so. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, outside of the camera, there's not... I mean, always on display is the other big feature, right? Uh, that's rumored. But outside of those two, I don't think there's much. No, at least in terms of reading into the invite, no. Yeah. And like, even in general, right? The, yeah. The pro models are going to get always on display, the the better camera system, and then the A16 chip. But then if you look at the non-pro phones, yeah, there's not really any features to speak of, apart from the, you know, the different notch design. But they're not, they're going to use the same A15 chip or a very similar chip. The big change on that, on those lower two phones, is the, the mini's gone and you'll get a max-sized phone that isn't pro, which will be a big seller because yeah. people want big screens, and big screens at a cheaper price are always going to be successful. And that helps, to Adding that 6.7-inch phone instead of the mini helps kind of counteract the price increase for the pro and the pro max, so you'll still be able to get the biggest screen without paying $1,200 or whatever the pro max will start at this year. So, Yeah, because yeah, there's some decent reporting that the pro phones will get, you know, 50 to 100 dollars more expensive mm-hmm. but to somewhat counteract that they'll give you the 256 gig storage instead of 128 yeah. so yeah. even though the base price is more the price compared to the same tier of you know storage size will be about the same at least what we expect to see happen and then what else apart from iphone apple watch i guess is yeah. the september event the series 8 and the apple watch pro and the apple watch pro x i expect is going to be the biggest focus just because it's mm-hmm. going to be radically new Whereas the Series 8, I think basically the rumor is the body temperature sensor and some changes to the colors. But other than that, like performance is going to be the same, design's the same, and really not much to look forward to there. 
Yeah, and that, I don't think anything else. No. It's just it's just gonna be iPhone and Apple Watch. There's AirPods Pro too, but mm. I lean towards that being in October. the October event. Yeah, but could be, could be. I mean, if you remember in 2020 when everything was up in the air, they announced like the iPad at the September event. It didn't ship to the middle of October, yeah. so. so that was quite a far out ship date. Um, far out, far out indeed. But I don't. I think that was exceptional circumstances because of the pandemic yeah. and stuff. Like generally, they don't want that to happen. So I would imagine whatever they announce in September, at September 7th, is going to ship before the end of September. And like if they're following usual patterns, the iPhone will be. Announced on September 7th, pre-orders are up that Friday, and then it'll go on sale the week after on the 16th. So, Do you think there's any chance of any sort of AR, VR announcements? Some people are already kind of speculating, but I don't see that personally. Yeah. I I, I mean, it's kind of far out prediction. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. go by the, but I don't think it's a thing. I feel like if that was coming sooner, we'd have heard more. There'd be more yeah. smoke around it. Unless, like, it's obviously coming, but yeah. it seems like it's going to be like early next year shipping in the summer kind of situation and i don't think they want the either the headset to overshadow the iphone 14 or vice versa the headset seems like something that warrants its own apple watch style event where it's the sole focus well i debate that a little bit because i'm mm. not sure it's going to be as consumer friendly as the first apple watch was yeah, right like true. it's going to be super ex- it's almost like a pro display xdr kind of release mm-hmm. so like it needs to be a, or maybe like the Mac Studio, which was like the March event, because like, like putting in the iPhone event is bad because it's a load of people that have no interest in buying this generation will see it and think negatively of Apple for releasing something so expensive that's that they true. don't want. That's... So I think doing it in a separate event helps them. Like if it was a mainstream consumer product like the Apple Watch, then sure they should bundle it with the iPhone. But I don't think it's going to be like that it's for the first couple of generations at least. Like the first, the rumors on this current one, it's going to be like two grand or more. Yeah. So. And it's still going to be limited in appeal, even if it was cheaper, just based on the state of the art of technology. So we'll see. But I, uh, I think that's going to be like a, either like a January, February, March kind of situation. Maybe, maybe it could be the October event, even if they really wanted yeah. to like tease it and it wouldn't ship till next year. But because I'm not sure they haven't. It just, everything that we've heard so far is just like it's not the software's not quite finished yet or something, or you know they're not quite ready to announce it yet. It's overheating or whatever, which is the last yeah, thing you want yeah, for yeah. something you put on your head. Yeah, so I think right now we're thinking like September, uh, iPhone and Apple Watch, and then October we'll have Macs. Probably the Mac Pro after they already said that was coming another day in the mm-hmm. March event. Like very uncharacteristic of them, they teased it in the March event, and then it, that seemed to set it up for WWC. But then WC came and went without it. Uh, so some new Macs and then iPad stuff uh, in October. That's kind of what I'm sketching. And probably AirPods as well in October. That'd be my guess at the moment. Yeah, I think that's that's about right. Happy Hour is sponsored this week by. Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. And if you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. And if you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. And you can even record sounds of the night, like talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more statistics. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you are in a stage of lightest sleep. 
And in crucially, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. And try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. And one more thing on the event that I meant to mention in the last section, but I forgot. I do hope that they are training back towards in-person stuff. Like, yeah, even if this event's going to be, you know, watching a video inside and maybe you have Tim Cook do an on-stage introduction that's actually streamed, unlike the WWCC mm-hmm. one where they had an in-person introduction that wasn't streamed. Uh, that's at least progress because, like, the virtual events are f- were fun, but they do kind of tire a bit. And there's only so many times you can see the you can be impressed by a drone shot of the apple <laughs> campus you know like it kind of wears thin after a while man the one thing i do hope is that the lag between the stream that people at apple park are watching and what we're watching from home is better because with uh wwdc it was like it was a so five bad. minute difference or something so yeah it was frustrating trying to follow along on twitter and also watch the stream especially while we're covering it obviously it's like you're jumping yeah, around yeah and the delay and... like in in a normal pre-pandemic time the delay when they would do an actual live event recorded and streamed live the the time difference between the in-person people and the and the at-home people would be way shorter oh, yeah. maybe like a minute uh but for whatever reason the wwc setup it was like five minutes delayed and it was pretty annoying because like we'd be covering it and then the twitter feed would be either ahead or behind depending on whether you were looking at someone's tweet that was in person or not and because of wwc they've invited developers right so even people mm-hmm. that weren't in the media in a sanctum were also tweeting ahead of time so it got very very confusing and less enjoyable for a fact for sure but maybe because they're now back inside the theater they can iron that out and it would be like how it was before that'd be nice you got an in-person invite right mail You'll be oh there. totally yeah. yeah me too I'm, yeah definitely i'm just i'm just holding on to them i'm gonna i'm gonna um flip them for some more money you know <laughs> you, you can't pay for the pro max uh without it these days yeah what that's true inflation everything yeah i don't think any of us got invites this year right? no i i'm asking but i'm me and zach both are asking but no luck so far it does seem maybe that the press pool is slightly smaller i don't know if they're gonna do like some distancing in Steve Jobs Theater, maybe, because maybe packing yeah. Steve Jobs Theater full is probably not the wisest thing right now, just given the current state of everything. But I, but don't worry, because the, all the Apple employees are going back to work on that same week. Oh yeah, we we could get into that. So that, that means be, that COVID's over. COVID is over, and Apple announcing its return to work has never correlated to another spike before. So. <laughs> I think we're fine <laughs> yeah you've got apple employees coming back to campus tim cook doing a cross-country flight the f- day before there's no there's no risks at all to the uh breathing in the air inside the theater <laughs> i hope it all goes fine uh, yeah and i'm looking forward to the event all the same despite the snark about their covid practices yeah uh other stuff the self-service repair program which launched early this year for the iphone is now available for the mac not too much to like analyze here because it's a very similar setup to the iPhone situation. You can get repair manuals for free, which is great. Then if you want to get a part repaired uh, or a part replaced and do your own repair, you can go to the self-service website, which still looks like a very shaky knockoff website, mm-hmm. even though it's legit. You order the part, 
they they charge you a premium but then when you get the part and send your part back they give you a discount that basically brings the price to approximately the same price as if apple did it themselves at the genius bar or something is that about right i think so and i think you can do the thing like you're can you rent the tools and stuff like you can with the iphone or yeah i think you can rent tools yeah the i don't think you get that big gigantic box that you get with the iphone but of tools but yeah it's it's about what we expected after seeing what they did with the iphone it's not super user friendly they really are emphasizing that they don't want just anybody out there to repair their own macbook but it's there if you are qualified or if you run an independent repair shop or something so i mean they're doing this to satisfy like a legal obligation i think more yeah. than anything like if you're sensitive, but like, and if you're like desperately, desperately need something repaired like immediately, and you have no chance to get like a third party reseller to do it, you should just go to the Apple Store or do mail in. That's what I do. I don't live near an Apple Store in, in mm, the UK because mm-hmm. there's only like five or six. But every time we have a thing that needs repairing, or or like when we had the battery replacement thing, you know, back when that was a big scandal, uh, I just don't, I've done mail in ever since, and it works great. Like you sit at home, they you have to kind of go to the online chat and coax them into doing it because their default option is to take is to make you an appointment at yeah. the apple store um but if you say oh no i can't go there. i want to do mail-in they'll like say you're at mail-in doesn't cost you any money they send you a box you send the device off and then it can take up to three weeks but at least in every time i've done it it comes back within like three or four days most of the time if you send it off on a friday it comes back on a monday and the stuff's fixed so i can't say i, I that's what i would do it's the same price yeah <laughs> and, and it's the same price as self-service repair and you don't take the risk on because like the other thing is if you if you make a mistake doing self-service repair you then have to buy a whole new computer and if you do the apple store version if they bust it up somehow they'll give you a replacement just fully without you having to pay more so i think from my calculus it's pretty obvious which one you should use apple obviously is satisfying an obligation to the right to repair act which i believe says that I don't know. I'm not sure if it's fully in law yet, but it's definitely drafted this way that yeah. like companies must offer the same parts and processes to individuals that they offer to the repair like resellers. And look what Apple's done. They made a website where you can buy literally the exact same materials as what the Apple Store uses and at the same prices. There you go. And of course, I fix it though, is they're not happy with whatever for whatever reason with what Apple did. They they want They that. think that you should have less steps like you shouldn't have to read all the manuals and you shouldn't have to have these elaborate you know repair toolkits and things because and they think that by putting that in place it makes the repairs seem scarier than they are which yeah is i mean it's true but also apple's you know supposedly coaxing an individual person to repairing something that's very expensive so like wouldn't you prefer that the instructions be detailed and less detailed i don't know but like i fix this point is like we offer a website where we sell replacement parts and tutorials mm-hmm. and our on our tutorials for replacing stuff is a lot simpler than you know what apple says that you have to do and the results are supposedly the same so that's their argument i mean they have to say that having a self-service repair store at all is better than not having one uh but they obviously are always going to ask for more and they want the prices to be cheaper for which yeah. is but if you actually look at some of the prices and things like the iFixit prices are not that much different like they're a little bit cheaper but they're not crazy different really um so i don't think i like what apple's offering here it's nothing special but at least it, i think it's nice there and the fact that they give you all the repair manuals for free is nice because if mm. you if like you can completely ignore all of the requirements and just yeah. based on the repair manuals and go and buy your own aftermarket parts maybe you want if you really want to take on the risk you know yeah, so like if you have a super old device i fix it and yeah exactly get parts from i fix it and do it yourself like 
Um, and obviously, right now, the self-service repair store is limited to M1 devices mm-hmm. and iPhone 12 and later. But presumably, in five years' time, they'll still be selling M1 parts. So in that, if it goes five years down the future and you have a problem with your M1 device, you need something to be fixed, well, you can look at the official Apple repair manual and then just get some aftermarket parts and do it yourself and give it a go. And at that point, you'll probably be saving yourself some money. But if you're here in the, if you're in the here and now, 99% out of, times out of 100, just get Apple to repair it. It'll yeah. work out better. Also this week, uh, the um, website Macatakura had an interesting report on the $329 or the entry-level iPad. So we had seen that CAD design that we talked about on the show earlier that basically looks like the same, like, you know, forehead and chin design as usual, but it's got flat sides and maybe not a headphone jack, but the, crucially the power button, the Touch ID power button was still there in the, in the, in the chin. Uh, well, interestingly, what Makatekara said is that the dimensions of that CAD are correct, but it believes, or at least it's had some sources say, that the Touch ID is moved to the power button and there won't be a physical home button, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, what they're saying is that the these kind of CAD schematics are used by accessory makers who only care about that overall, the overall dimension so they can make their cases and everything. And that actually what they're hearing is the front side of the device is, I guess, not even going to have a home button and it'll be like an ipad air kind of like an ipad air Air, yeah Mm -hmm. and they'll move the touch id to the power button which is something they say wouldn't be reflected in the cad schematics and they're also kind of saying something about the facetime camera being relocated which i don't really get that part i guess they're saying instead of it being on the like you know if you hold it in portrait it's at the top it's going to be in landscape on the on the on that edge so like on the right if you're holding it in portrait i guess is what they're trying to say yeah the touch id power button makes a lot more sense to me than that because apple's shown no indication that it plans on doing any of that and that they still think the ipad is kind of a portrait device despite how many people use it and all their accessories like the keyboard accessories require landscape use so I, i mean i can see them moving the camera on the ipad line over time but it's unlikely that it comes to the cheapest one first. Would yeah. be my. Like, the iPad Pro is expected to get a bit of a redesign in October. Um, maybe then the, 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 it'd be nice if the camera moved to the long edge, so it works with like all the landscape use cases that most people use iPad Pros in. Uh, but the fact they'd roll that out first on the cheapest iPad, and and even like the iPad Mini was the same, right? And that's not that's only that's quite new, like. I'm wondering. I don't think it's this report. Macatacker is normally a good source, but this sounds a bit off, you know. I'm wondering too what exactly this means for the differentiation between the cheapest iPad and the iPad Air, because there's obviously the the processor difference. The iPad Air has the M1, and this new iPad 10 is expected to have the A14, I think. Mm-hmm. But for most people, I don't think like that's enough. Like somebody going to an Apple store, they're going to see that they look pretty similar in the opt for the cheaper one but yeah that's and assuming they're not making this model more expensive right assuming mm, it is keeping that three yeah. you know 320 350 price point i think it's perfectly reasonable for them to keep the older design for another generation yeah like one more year of this kind of look and then you know if, if 2023 rolls around and we're still got a touch of the home button ipad then maybe it, you know then you can criticize a bit more kind of in the vein of like you know the apple Watch series 3 or something but as it stands today if you give us an ipad for 329 that is just got a boosted up chip and a decent you know slightly better camera maybe they put the center stage camera 
Does the, does the I should know. Does the iPad nine doesn't have the back the center stage camera? Does it? Uh, yeah, I thought it did. Oh, does it? I can't. Uh, actually, I, I've forgotten about that. But I mean, the, the way I look at the three twenty nine iPad is it's kind of the iPhone SE of the iPad lineup, and the iPhone SE is still kicking around with a home button and everything. So yeah, but I feel like that one's kind of losing the allure. <laughs> don't you? Don't you agree? Like, even though it is cheaper. Feels kind of outdated at this point. That the yeah, the iPhone SE it does, and but that three twenty nine iPad sells quite a bit. But as long as they can keep the price point the same, then they can do whatever they want to do. But if they raise to three ninety nine, that I don't think a lot of people are going to see that trade off as being worth it. Okay, yeah the the base iPad does have the center. They yeah. already have the center stage camera. Yeah, I double check that. So. so even that's not a feature they can have. Yeah. <laughs> And it's supposed to get 5G too and USB C. Yeah, so. it's going to get 5G. Yeah, but who, I don't know who really uses cellular on an iPad. I'm sure some people do, but are those the ones buying the cheapest one? I don't, I don't think so, really. Yeah. Like, so that's the iPad. It'd be cool if it has the, you know, the fancy design without a home button, but I don't think it's going to happen. And then one thing that I mentioned on a recent show, we were talking about HomePods and HomePod longevity and TouchWood. Mine had been fine and basically good as new even though obviously plenty of other people's the, the, the og home pods have began to die and it's kind of bad because apple's not really offering much support for it um and in the aftermarket kind of situation apart from like oh you can buy a replacement for 300 dollars or whatever and it's like ridiculous but people's are just like kind of dying on the spot which is bad and if the product hadn't been discontinued this would probably be a situation where they would run like a special repair program kind of like <laughs> what they did for airpods pro you know you can get things replaced and if they're rattling or whatever like i feel like the issues with the homepod would have caused one of those programs to happen but because they just discontinued the product they didn't bother um which is bad but obviously there's rumors that the big homepod's coming back which is good news i do have to maybe change what i said about mine being okay maybe i jinx myself in the last week or so i so i use the homepods on my desk in a stereo pair arrangement right mm-hmm. and the right one sounds the same the left one Sounds quieter. Hmm. So it's almost like when you're running them in stereo, it's like it, the, the center point of where it sounds like the sound's coming from is like now pushed slightly to the yeah. right because the left speaker's not as loud, so it feels off center. And hmm. it's not like... It's probably only like 5% quieter. Or, and, and I've restarted them stuff because, you know, sometimes they get out of sync or whatever and then that changes it. But like, like I've restarted them, put them on the lowest volume, you know, temped it out the same number of dots just to check... And I'm pretty sure my left HomePod is now slightly quieter than the right HomePod, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> just an, just quiet enough to where you notice it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, but it's so slight that like you can trick yourself into thinking it's not a problem. But I'm I, I'm pretty sure it is. So yeah, even my hearing's getting worse on the left side of my face, or the actual <laughs> HomePods are just slightly worse. So sadly, and I mean that those HomePods I got on day one of so the first mm-hmm. the one of them I got on like February 2018 and the other one I got in like May 2018 when they added AirPlay 2 so there was like a reason to have two in a stereo pair you know um, so I mean they've lasted five years almost uh, you probably for something that's that expensive probably expect it to last a little bit longer than yeah. that but it's not terrible it's not brilliant and I'm not gonna you know do this podcast and pretend like it's all funky, hunky-dory after I just said they were so here's my update I think maybe my left one is slightly worse now than what it was at launch, which is a bit sad, but which you mentioned the three hundred dollar repair, that's or a replacement basically, but that's lots of people are doing that just because you can't buy even a used home pod for that much mm-hmm. on eBay or anything because people want them and they're selling for a premium. So if 
there's clearly a demand and there's clearly a lot failing. So, and all the rumors point to there being a new model soon. Yeah. So that's my plan. I'll buy new ones when they come out. I'm not going to buy a replacement in the meantime. Yeah. I'll just carry on slowly getting slightly quieter. <laughs> I have <laughs> four full size HomePods, and as of right now, they're all still working as they did on day one. One of them did like briefly die. It basically popped and then turned off and unplugged it, plugged it back in a few times and wouldn't come back. And then I just left it plugged in. And then all of a sudden one day it was back to life and working normally. So that one's probably on its last legs, but I will be upset if the two I have in a stereo pair paired with the Apple TV die, because that's actually like a really nice experience. An experience they created after the discontinued. Yeah. Which is just a terrible way that that kind of sorted itself out. But it shows that if they do bring them back, there's going to be good uses for them because now all the reviews for the new model could be like, they work great as Apple TV speakers, which the first ones did not get that that credit. Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people in your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. LinkedIn is just so ubiquitous. My brother uh, actually started his first job out of uni recently, and I know that LinkedIn was one of the places that he went through to find work. So to reach an audience of the world's largest professional network of about 810 million people, go on LinkedIn Jobs at linkedin.com slash happy hour and create a free job post in just minutes. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more, to signal directly that you're hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. LinkedIn Jobs also has simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for. So you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. Finally this week, let's talk about the beta news. So although the actual changes in the beta are quite small, there were some organizational shifts that were quite interesting. So for starters, Apple confirmed that the iOS 16 for the iPad was being delayed. So obviously normally iOS, the major iOS update comes out in September alongside the iPhone launch, but at the same time for iPhone devices and iPad devices, last month... German reported that the iPad was running behind a little bit, and now this has been confirmed in a statement to TechCrunch. Uh, Apple said, This is an especially big year for mm-hmm. iPadOS. As its own platform with features specifically designed for iPad, we have the flexibility to deliver iPadOS on its own schedule. This fall, iPadOS will ship after iOS as version 16.1 in a free software update. So, iOS 16.0 for iPad isn't coming out, they're going to start with 6.1 which probably means it's coming out in October alongside the new iPad hardware. Yeah, and I don't really know how much that extra month's going to buy them in terms of making iPadOS more stable and Stage Manager actually usable. But Now, you've used Stage Manager a lot more than me because you have an iPad that works with it, right? Yes, I have the iPad Air. 
the one but that you, you, doesn't to, seem... to be clear you mostly work on a mac though right yeah day to day i've yeah. stage manager on the ipad i've used it mainly with an external display just because on an 11 inch ipad air i really don't think that's enough screen size to make much use of it but basically i used it for a bit when it first came out on the ipad connected to an external display but since then it just it just doesn't work for how i would want to use an ipad as a primary computer and do you almost wish it was like less smart and like wouldn't move all your windows around and wouldn't do intelligent quote intelligent stuff and act just basically acting more like a mac windowing system yeah pretty much because you like you'll open something and things will fly around and you open a new like if you have safari open in like a a stage or whatever they want you to call it and you open another safari window that safari window opens in a new stage so if you want two safari windows side by side you have one open open another one it goes to a new stage but then you have to move that window to to the other stage to yeah. get them actually next to each other. Which Whereas if you're on a Mac, you click on a link in an app and it opens in that same window. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I like on- if they fix that or change that behavior, at least on the Mac, I would use Stage Manager every day. Like it would be my windowing system of choice. But with that limitation, it's really? just... Really? You so you, you think you're going to use it on the Mac, assuming that, that you know, those edge cases are a result? If they change where the new window opens, then yes. Cause so why do you prefer it to like spaces and again in the theoretical timeline where it's fixed in the ways that we expect it will the be issue with spaces i think is that everything's completely out of sight so if you have two spaces open you kind of forget the other at least i kind of forget the the other one exists. Uh, the other one exists and i'll be like where's my music window and i'll be like oh it's over here in this space and I swipe back over and where stage manager with that little strip on the left-hand side, it keeps, you kind of can just glance over and be like, oh, I need to switch over here and do something in music or respond to a message. And then you can switch right back to your. And you have a massive display. You have the Pro Display XDR, right? So you've yeah. got plenty of screen real estate to dedicate a little tray on the left to, which is not the case on the iPad. So like on the iPad, the utility of stage manager has to be way higher for you to want to have a permanent thing on the left. And I think on the iPad too, their insistence that Stage Manager work with touch. Like, I don't see anybody who could feasibly use Stage Manager with touch on an iPad screen. Like, that's just, like just just touch. Yeah, that's just not a pleasant experience. So, but at least which on is the why Mac, up to now they've done split view and <laughs> yeah. and slide over, which are very different to normal window experience. And but then this year they were like maybe we'll do windowing, but not quite how people wanted right. it to happen. So now they're in like a middle ground where they don't really please anyone. <laughs> yeah. If there was just a way to like turn off some of those intelligent features, it would be so much better. But right now... And like the, the tray on the left on the iPad does not have to be there all the time. You can make it disappear and like yeah. only appear when you like move the cursor to the left-hand side. But still, it feels not satisfactory. And and, I, and again, I always hedge this because I don't have an iPad that can use it at the moment. So I'm basing it based on like videos I've watched and other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, very famously this week, Federico, Federico Vitici, you know, big iPad user, had a very viral tweet that was basically like, yeah, I've turned it off because I can't stand it and it crashes all the time. Um, so he's obviously un, un, unhappy. And if you're making Vitici unhappy on a feature like this, then you're really, yeah. in, a bit, you're really in a bad position. And I don't think they're going to get to a point by October where that's going to be all resolved. Like maybe it stopped crashing and maybe some edge cases are, are, are fixed at the overall way that stage manager works. 
not sure they'll be able to solve that by in just a month's time. Like what you were saying about spaces uh, disappearing off the screen and going out of sight. Like, I mm-hmm. wonder if they'd have just done like a stage manager where instead of you having these like separate window sets, if it just worked exactly like spaces, but the spaces were visible on the little side panel. Yeah. Exactly. It'd just be like exactly what you want mm-hmm. and work in a way that is reasonable and not require like a third different layer of multitasking like you wouldn't have to go into special mode you could just optionally have a side dock essentially that would show the current spaces and the and the windows within them and then you could tap to switch between that way uh, yeah. i think i mentioned that on the show last week like spaces are really good and if they just added like a little visual indicator like they've done with stage manager they wouldn't need any of this other like stage manager rearranging windows or you can only have this many windows at a time or you know all this stuff like and you could almost do the same thing with the ipad and you just have all the windows that previously existed only in multitasking they would just become spaces and maybe you can split them up and put a few you know like so by default you just have split view and, f- and slide over but maybe you could like long hold on a split view app and make it into a window mode and then you know like, yeah. i feel like there's mm-hmm. ways they could have gone about this that don't require you to have like a, a whole third separate system for multitasking because even if they make stage manager perfect and really enjoyable then it's going to be like well why do i have to opt into it every time in control center you know yeah. like it just feels it still feels discombobulated even if they made it perfect so i don't f- it, like even if they make stage manager the best it can be it's still going to be a not perfect end steady state because you're going to have too many systems colliding with each other so i don't know how they're going to resolve all this eventually i'm still in the case that they're just going to put a beta label on the stage manager button and that's how it's going to ship like mm-hmm. I feel like that would satisfy a lot of, not satisfy because obviously people want it satisfied by making the feature good but to ship in October the feature's optional and opt-in anyway right because you have yeah. to turn it off from control center if they just put a beta label on it, it it's an admission that this isn't perfect people are going to be annoyed with us with complaints but here it is you can try it out if you want and we'll keep working it over the 16 cycle and make it better and better and better that's how I think it's going to go and that's what I would do if I was in their shoes like the 16.1 has to ship at some point and it probably has to ship with the new hardware yeah. coming in october so here it is stage manager look we wish we could have nailed it first time but clearly we didn't we'll listen to you it's got a beta label we'll keep working on it over the next you know six months or so because right now they so, have two competing issues that kind of work against each other where they have to fix the crashing and general instability of the feature while also addressing these complaints and making somewhat significant changes to just how it works which that can lead to more crashing and more instability. So they're, at some point, they're going to have to just lock it in and say, okay, this is how the feature works for now. It, yep. Let's get it stable. Ship it with 16.1 and then maybe hopefully address some of the bigger issues with 16.2 and 3 and so on. But Yeah, because if you compare it with Safari beta cycle last yeah. year where that was also a calamity uh, the safari a safari was much more important because it affected the iphone right which and, and it was mm-hmm. it wasn't like re- initially it wasn't like an opt-in option or opt-out option it was just the way the safari looked um so it was immediately more urgent and it affect- and anything that affects the iphone is always higher priority than it affects the other products just because the iphone is so much more important but safari is like a key app that everyone's going to know it's never going to be annoyed by whereas stage manager a, it's on the iPad and the Mac, and B, it's opt-in with the button in control center. So it's less prioritized. And I think you see that in the development cycle because Safari, by beta 4 or beta 5, was getting significant changes every single beta. Like the design was changing. They were adding buttons. They put it back on, you know, they added that second bar. They added the option to have both. And then in the very final beta that shipped on devices, they added the tabs back on the Mac, right? Yeah. Like, 
They they were very on the ball with that. Look at stage manager. Yes, they know I've got an extra month, but they it, we're on beta seven, or now what's called iPad OS sixteen point one beta one. Yeah, but it's really beta seven. Basically unchanged since beta one in terms of stage manager features. What they changed in this beta specifically was that you can now it now works in portrait. So previously it was landscape only, but now you can actually use stage manager in portrait orientation. And if you hide the tray on the left for stage manager. Uh, you can now reveal it with an edge swipe using touch. So before you'd have to like move your cursor to the edge of the screen, but you couldn't actually do it with touch alone. Now, if you swipe from the edge with a touch, you get one of those little like pull out tabs and then you pull out the tab and there's the side tray. So that's the level of feature development they've made on beta, you know, on beta seven. They, there's a huge chasm between where it needs to get to for people to be happy with it. And I'm not sure that's going to happen in time for October. I do think it's interesting just seeing how much bad press they're getting for stage manager both with how bad the feature is right now and also limiting it to the m1 ipads yeah whereas like if the real world number of people who are going to use stage manager is probably just so incredibly low in terms of the percentage of all the ipad users it's just a bad bad situation all around it, it doesn't help that like people have been waiting for the multitasking to get so better and they did the M1 release and they even before the M1 the A13 and the, so the A12X was like you know so powerful and still is really powerful and then here comes multitasking doesn't they cut off all hardware that isn't M1 so infuriate everybody and then for the M1 people is not great so it's just a bad a bad like cauldron of problems unfortunately and I hope they can get it better but I don't think it's going to be ready for 6.1 release in October no, no. Just, it just seems unreal they're gonna to have to you know mark Gurman reported that 16 development for the iphone is done so theoretically now all those engineers that were working on iphone features uh internally will now be able to dedicate to the ipad but also they still have to work on 6.1 6.2 and 6.3 for the iphone too like that that cycle starts or has already started yeah. like 6.1 feature development um includes stuff like uh the new home kit architecture you know, things like that, live activities, that's not shipping 6.0. So all that is running concurrently too. So Apple always has a resource problem where like if there's stuff they really need to like get the shit behind, if it's not an iPhone feature, they always seem to struggle to actually muster that up. And Stage Manager seems to be a perfect example of that. But at least they've gone to October, so that gives them one more month of doing some stuff. So fingers crossed we'll see some bigger changes in the future beta 6.1. But even if they do, they're going to have to do such a gigantic leap to make people happy from where we are today. So I think they're going to ship with a beta label, or at least if they don't, they should. In terms of minor things we saw in 16, uh, the 16 code, uh, Felipe Esposito found that if you look at the 16.1 code, it shows that the wallet app will be deletable. So right now, wallet is one of the stock apps that you can't delete from your iPhone if you want to. Uh, this is probably in response to the antitrust, you know, disagreements and complaints and forthcoming legal cases with the EU and stuff where Apple has a monopoly on mobile payments on the iPhone, supposedly, and they haven't done much to counter that. Well, in 6.1, they're going to at least let you delete the wallet, the wallet app if you want to use something else, but those something else's don't get the same access to the system that the wallet no. app has, like being able to double-click the side button to see it on the lock screen or automatically present itself when you go to an NFC terminal. So those are the main things. The fact that the wallet app couldn't be deleted wasn't really the main issue. What they, If they want to satisfy the complainants, they need to add like a default app system, kind of like what they did for the default browser. 
And even that was kind of half implemented and not real, you know, same with email. So I'm not sure they actually are willing to do that, but their minor their minor concession, at least in the first 16.1 beta, is that you'll be able to delete the app from the home screen if you don't want it. Because iOS 16 also lets you delete Find My Health and Clock. Mm-hmm. So I think Find My might also be antitrust related, but probably not health and definitely not clock. So I don't know how much this is actually going to help any of the antitrust things or even how much it's actually related. Oh, yeah. And the wallet app's getting that. I forgot about this. It's getting that buy now, pay later thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if that's 16.0 or coming later in 16. It's uh, not in 16.0 as of now, but that's as of now. But that might the, be back end related, maybe. Yeah, I'm that's sure. what I was going to say yeah. is it's going to take just some sort of server switch. I, I think it'll probably come after 16.0, but not necessarily tied to 16.1. Go, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've seen a lot of the stuff in the code that it's there and they're making updates to it and they added language about how if you miss a payment, basically your Apple ID is toast. They're going <laughs> to block you <laughs> yeah, out. They're going to blacklist you for the all future. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go and col- like chase you up with collections and stuff. No. Their, their solution is that you're just cut off from anything ever again with that same credit card. And even if they if they do like completely lock you out of your Apple ID account for some people, that's probably worse than if collections came after you and it wrecked your credit score. So that's probably work pretty yeah. well in terms of make, forcing people to make the payments. They kind of add that to a lesser extent with um, like account sharing because you know yeah. like all these streaming services, you know, like Netflix stuff are cracking down on account sharing and password sharing kind of situations. Like the equivalent Apple services, like you know Apple Music, Apple TV Plus. They're kind of protected because if you give the, your your account is your Apple ID and your Apple ID has all your bank information attached to it, so and your iMessages are attached to that as well. So like it's harder for people to share around Apple IDs freely. You can't really go beyond the six person limit. Like some people can share Netflix accounts with like thirty people. You can't really do it with your Apple ID unless you want to like compromise your own personal security. Yeah, and buy now pay later is just an extension of that to you know an even bigger degree, yeah. um, which I think is also how like the iPhone payment plan system works, right? Like if you fall behind on those payments, they also lock you out of Apple ID services until you're paid up. Because yeah. there was that, there was that big um, scandal a oh, year yeah. or so ago. Was it? Was it DHH? Was it him or it was somebody like him that said that? Oh, they hadn't paid their bill and then they got locked out of everything and then they were like shut out of their life basically until they paid their bill. And yeah, yeah so I don't know because Apple denied that. They said that your account can be marked in bad standing and they can restrict your account. But Apple... No, they, what they denied was that it was specifically related to the Apple card. Oh, that's right. So, like, if, you, if you're paying for an iPhone on credit, like on a 24-month plan, you don't necessarily have to use the Apple card, right? Obviously, the iPhone, whatever the iPhone bloody blur plan, then, you know, the new one, that's Apple card exclusive, but they have that old plan where you can pay on credit in, like, monthly payments or whatever. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that plan... If you go behind, they restrict your Apple ID and put it in bad, put your account in bad standing. But it's not specifically they got information from the Apple card and did it. It would have, it would their their response is basically it would happen regardless of which credit card you use to buy it and not yeah. pay up. Yeah, this the story specifically that you're talking about was I guess related to a trade in too. That was it. It was yeah. trade in. Yeah, the guy didn't yeah, yeah. send it in in time and. So they billed him basically for the cost of the trade-in. And then for whatever reason, the payment didn't go through. Yeah, exactly. And then they cracked down his account. Because yeah. what's interesting too about the Apple Pay Buy Now, Pay Later is that Apple's handling most, if not all, of the financing and and 
financial side of things. Like they're not relying as heavily on Goldman Sachs as they are with Apple cards. So yeah, like it's your, it's their money. They're basically yeah. borrowing to you. So like yeah. if you buy a $250 item, it's coming out of Apple's bank for that mm-hmm. period until it's paid back. Yeah. yeah. Goldman Sachs is handling like the, the creation of the virtual card that actually makes the payment, I believe. Yeah, I think um, so. But the, the, the stock of money where this lent money is coming from is Apple's. Whereas obviously on the credit card side, it comes from Goldman Sachs. And yeah, that was a, about it in specifically new in 16 beta 7 which is understandable because we're on the weekly betas now it's basically just bug fixes performance improvements and then maybe they have a couple new features as part of the final gm release which is saved for the event because it probably has ties with the hardware one random thing i want to mention before we wrap up is that something i didn't literally noticed this week in ios 16 on apple music you can favorite artists now specifically so you mm-hmm. go to like an artist page and there's a little star button and if you click on that, you can. it says you get specifically new music notifications for artists that you favor, and it improves your recommendations. And that's something that I've been complaining about in Apple Music for a long time. Like, I, I love to pick some artists and just get notified whenever they have new music. Because the way it's worked before is, like, you can turn on new music notifications, but they don't send it for everybody. They send it yeah. for, like, a select number based on some algorithm that you don't really have any control over. But apparently, in iOS 16, you can star your favorite artists and get more re- more relevant notifications on new music and get like featured sections in the listen now page and get better recommendations overall for other music discovery so that was just something that has definitely been in earlier 16 betas and it's also now in the betas on android but i just noticed it so that's cool one of the other small changes to the music app is the new playlist sorting options i like those quite a bit it lets you sort by release date artist when the song was added to the playlist and a few other things but i don't think we really had many playlist sorting options if any before this so so that's another yeah that's cool basically i think those are like the two changes to the music app in ios 16 i assume the big work they're still working on is apple music classical yeah which which is billed for this year some point so they're running out of months that new apple music for android beta that came out this week has more references to it but <laughs> it's point, coming it's coming at some point it's, it's coming like I, I don't know how impactful that's going to be either because like classical music is a niche of the music app so yeah. you know you're talking about a fraction of a fraction of overall music streamings but if it's and it's still unclear how different it's going to be from the normal music app to really justify having a separate icon like it'll be interesting to see when it comes out i mean i don't really care for classical music too much but i want to yeah. look at the ui and see like how different actually is it from the main music app? Because, you know, why don't they do Apple Music Pop and Apple Music yeah. you know, R&B? Like, if they can do it for classical, why not do it for every single genre? And then, like, you look at Apple TV+, Plus, they won't even make you a dedicated app for TV+. Plus. Yeah, it's just part of the TV app. But classical music and Apple Music, standalone application that we acquired and are going to roll out at some point this year. Like, it's just a funny, a funny thing that happened. But yeah, that'd be fun whenever it finally launches at some point this year. Maybe. And that's about it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, probably with you know late breaking rumors and stuff. Because then the week after, it's the Apple event. You can follow me on Twitter at bzma. Thanks to Chance for filling in this week. Chance, they can find you on Twitter at Chance H Miller, and they can listen to you at the Nine to Five Mac Daily podcast, where mm-hmm. you cover the daily news. Just look that up on 95Mac.com. It's a great podcast, great companion to Happy Hour. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email us happyhour at 95Mac.com. Uh, hopefully Zach's uh, kid recovers okay he seems like he's just a bit groggy and stuff so fingers crossed Zach will be back next week Uh, thank you everybody for listening we will see you later